Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness to pray and to rest before he began his public ministry. This year during Lent, join Pastor Hook to pray and rest as we learn about our calling to be a life-changing connection to Christ in our world. Episode 35 of Life-Changing Connection. So we've been looking at... um, We've been looking at Ephesians 4, chapter 11. I just want to read that to you one more time. This is Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we have this picture from Paul we're all unique and different. We all come to the church with different characteristics. We've looked at this. There's other ways to look at how God has gifted you. Some of you are uh, are introverts. Some of you are extroverts. I've, I, some of you may have taken a um, a personality test called the Myers Briggs personality test. You have four markers. And like one of them is introvert, one's extrovert, and then you have three other markers. I can't remember exactly. I'm an ENFP or an ENFJ. I can't remember. But anyway, um, but depending upon how you score on those markers kind of determines your personality and how you view the world. And, And Kevin Lehman did a birth order book that talked about if you're firstborn, you have certain characteristics. If you're secondborn, you have certain characteristics. If you're like me, who there's four years between me and my next oldest brother, so I've got some firstborn characteristics, but I'm also a peacemaker. Um, That's according to Kevin Lehman. There's also the historic, you know, four personality types. Uh, And I think Myers-Briggs is based upon that. There's also one that I really, really, really like, highly recommend, it's called the Enneagram. The Enneagram, I don't know if we've talked about this or not, but it's basically, it goes back to Deuteronomy, the great Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And if you go back and do a root, I mean, what we consider those words today are not necessarily what the Hebrews thought of those words, but basically covered three areas, your mind, your heart, and your body. And taking that those three personalities some people lead with their heart some people lead with their mind some people lead with their bodies i'm a person that leads with my mind that's where i lead that's where my strengths are and so naturally when i get into situations where i need to deal with things i lead with my i lead with my mind which unfortunately takes my mind a long time to wrap myself around the problem think about it and then come to a solution Whereas if I lead with my body, if I were to able to lead with my body, I would instantaneously just go with my gut and lead with my gut. And you know people like that. You know people that they don't really want all the facts. They just kind of have a hunch and a gut and they lead in that area. And there's other people who lead with their emotions. They are people who um, they, they don't like the hurting. They, you know, they want organization. They want order in the world. They, they, uh, their, their body aches for the fact that they realize if there was just more organization in the world, that we could reduce human suffering to some degree. I, th- I think I'm saying that right. Anyway, so they their emotion, the emotional side of them causes to be very organized. I mean, there's just different things that, that we run into. And so you you uh, you find these people who lead either in their, their body, 
they lead in their mind or they lead in their emotions. And then from within there, there's three different ways of thinking about that. So there's three different levels of three. Uh, and ennea means nine and gram means graph. So it's an enneagram. It's basically nine personality types. And it really is quite fascinating. We, we've, uh, in the Hook family, we've taken the, the this test. You can take the test to find out what your personality is. And then you read about where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. And then the, and the whole purpose of taking this test isn't necessarily to find out where your strengths are, but the purpose of the test is to find out how you react when you're under stress. That's one. And two is what's your go-to position. And three is, is that always your, should that be your go-to position or should you elevate and cultivate and strengthen er other areas in your life so that you because what you want to be able to do is to use all of that, you know, your heart, your mind, your your emotions, uh, your mind, your heart, your body, so that when the time is right, you use one of those to, to, to lead in the world. But Paul, he talks about a different, this is kind of a spiritual, this is a, this is a spiritual division that that probably is similar to the Enneagram in some ways or similar to Myers-Briggs, but it's different. Because this one, he talks about some are apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. As I've mentioned before, once you become a mature Christian, you are a teacher. In some level, you are a teacher. But teachers need people surrounding them because when you are teaching, when you are living your life, Everybody needs somebody to walk alongside them periodically to be pastoral to them. And some people are just really, really gifted in that area. When somebody's hurting, they love to kind of drop everything and rush in and just, you know, sit down with them and, and, um, and comfort them and be with them and be very pastoral to them. And, and you know, you can, be, you can be hurting for a number of reasons. You can be hurting because you've... Um, you know, you're going through a sickness, you've, you know, lost a, a job, you, you've lost a loved one. Um, there could be a really difficult pandemic going in the world. And there's thousands of people hurting because of the pandemic, because it's disrupting jobs, it's disrupting families, it's disrupting psych, psychology, you know, the, the psyche of people. And we, as a church coming out of this pandemic, will see a huge increase of people who are hurting. And so we as a church have to develop the ability for many, many people to be, be pastoral in their lives so that they can walk alongside people when they're hurting. Um, we talked yesterday about the word apostello, which is the Greek word, which is the Greek word to go or to send, to go off into a different area and to understand that area. And I talked about how it's important that the church not be insular. <clears throat> that always inward looking because it's very easy for a church to just, when things go difficult for a church, to just immediately close the borders and look inward and not really worry about the world around them. And yet we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Acts 2.42, uh, he, he called some, you know, he called them together for the apostles teaching, the breaking of bread, fellowship and prayer. And then they pooled their resources to give as those who had need. They developed, the church developed this structure 
by which they looked at the world around them and they grew people in their faith. There's no question about that. But they looked around them and they said, how can we as a church love the world around us? What can we do? And so the early church, they looked around and they said, well, we've got widows and we've got orphans. These are people because of that culture at that time. If you're a widow or you're an orphan, the society around you just basically ignored you. And yet, the early church felt it was their calling to pool resources together and help those people. And so they did. They distributed food to the widows and the orphans. As a matter of fact, it got to be so much that that the disciples couldn't handle it all. So they called together seven men, the early deacons in in, uh, Acts chapter 6, and they appointed them to help to distribute the food to the widows and orphans. That's what the early church did. But that's not what that's not all they did is they they also of course they went out and healed people and prayed over people and all that sort of thing but as they looked around another thing that the early church did when they had the plagues in Rome this is so incredible when they had the plagues in Rome everybody was leaving Rome because of the plagues but the church got together they organized they sent people out and they loved and cared for people to either get them through this sickness or to be with them in their last dying days of the sickness, even at risk of their own life. Then the plagues went away, and then it was something else, and then it was something else. And I'm sure we've talked about it, but hospitals all happened because of the church. Schools happened because of church. Um, uh, the the um, Alcoholics Anonymous program that was developed that was developed by a christian guy you know in the church all these great programs that we have to help alleviate human suffering all of them have happened because of christian people look at the civil rights movement i mean who led that in the 60s that was martin luther king jr who was a pastor i mean the pastor the church is an incredible instrument for change in the world and i would say that the church throughout history has been the instrument of change in the world. Which means that at some level, the church has to organize or people within the church. It could be people within the church, but it also can be church bodies like congregations that come together and effect change in their community because of their ability to give of themselves for the sake of people around them. And we at Christ in Church, we've we talked about, we've done mops, we've done early childhood, we've done stay and play, we've done Mother's Day Out, we've done food bank, we've done um, all sorts of things to help our community. Well, we, we've been involved in Colossal Forth. You know, the whole um, idea of coming together on a patriotic day at Del Lago and, and um, you know, launching fireworks, that was a, a lot of people on those committees are people from our congregation because we want to love the world around us. That's what God has called us to do. And in order to do that, in order to organize ourselves around those things, you need leaders. Leaders are people who use their influence and their, you know, their time and their talent and their treasure to, to say, that's the direction we're going, so we're going to go in that direction. They grab their group of people and they go in that direction. But in order to get there, you need a certain amount of people. You need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are still people that are needed to do the work of Jesus, be the hands and feet in Jesus. The apostle is the one who goes out into the world. My catchphrase for apostles is mother, uh, necessity is the motherhood of invention. So what's the necessity? What's the need 
in our community and let's let's organ you know let's look at it and figure out some needs now the the next one that Paul talks about is the prophet now we know about old testament prophets right the old testament prophets were people who were i almost call them like the early desert fathers that they were people that spent a lot of time just connecting themselves with the creator of the universe there were there were people that God had selected for whatever reason or perhaps these were people that that searched for God and God you know found them and the holy spirit lived in them and they basically were people that were very very well connected to the heart of God that's what a prophet was and so you have in the old testament all these different prophets we have a whole series of books from these prophets and they spoke prophetic truth they spoke about the heart of God um and in Hebrews, it says in the old day, you know, uh, in olden days, God spoke through the prophets, but in these latter days, he speaks through his son. So when Jesus came, he was the fulfillment of old, all the Old Testament prophets. And then he spoke as a fulfillment to the Old Testament. And now what Jesus spoke is God's word because God became flesh and dwelt among us and told us and showed us what, what God looks like. Like what is a life that leads to perfect um, harmony with God. What does that life look like? And that life is Jesus. So if we as a society could pattern our lives after Jesus, we would reduce suffering. Jesus was sad. There's no question about it. He was in anguish at times, like when his friend Lazarus died. Um, He cried out from the deepest emotions that he possibly could. But it was it was um, but he still lived the perfect life that we can live. And so we can look at Jesus and see how he dealt with various situations. And then if we pattern our life after that, then we can help reduce suffering in people's lives. But the problem is, is that none of us live those lives perfectly. And so we need Jesus also as our savior, not only as our guide, but he has to be our savior to show us how, you know, that he that he saved us from the times when we can't live perfect lives like he did and that we fall into trouble and tem- you know temptation and all that sort of thing. So he walks beside us in the struggle and he helps us in the struggle and we grow through the struggle. That's what it is. But prophets are people deeply connected to God. And we need people like this. We need people that understand the heart of God, the way things work, the way things work in a spiritual aspect. We know, you know, by science, we know how things work in the universe. As a matter of fact, my degree is in engineering. So I went to engineering school to learn the basic laws of physics and thermodynamics and, and you know, the laws of attraction. When I say laws of attraction, I'm talking about, you know, the, the, the forces in the universe that attract each other, gravitational forces, nuclear forces, and all that sort of thing. I'm not talking about male-female attraction. <laughs> Um, we didn't learn that in college. <laughs> we wanted to learn that, but we were engineers, you know. You know what they say, uh, what do engineers use for birth control? Their personality. I mean, that's basically what we were, right? We were we were uh we were um we were engineers. That's all I can say. We we were not the attractional people in the colleges at Arizona State University. So anyway, um but uh but when you're an engineer, you learn about how the universe works on a physical level, while a prophet learns how the universe works on a spiritual level, on a godly level. Like, what is God's will for us? And we need these people in the world because it's not just meeting 
the needs of the community around us and saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pack food or something like that. But it's also understanding the heart of God and say, this is where God wants to lead us. This is this is the heart of God. This is how this is how he operates. This is in his economy. This is how God operates. And so you we need prophetic voices. People who people who love to read scripture, people who love to digest scripture and understand scripture, understand scripture, understand, read the psalms, pray the psalms, sing the psalms so we can understand how to interact with God. People who love to um, spend time with God in prayer. Sometimes people would like to spend time with God in fasting. Some people would like to spend time with God in silence and solitude, just reflecting and understanding the heart of God, uh, almost like the Desert Fathers. I mean, all of these things are people who, there are people who just have a deep and abiding connection with God. It's like a natural thing for them. And the, all of these gifts can be cultivated over time, right? All of these gifts can be cultivated. If you want to cultivate the gift of being a prophet, then there are just certain things that you do and you will, you will cultivate that. But there's some people just born with this natural prophetic gift to understand the heart of God. And that's what they do. And like in the business world, I mean, understanding, you know, the laws of physics and science um, if you, if you were to come to me as an engineer and say, you know, I want you to do, I want you to build this product, then an engineer would look at it and say, okay, let's, let's design it and then let's test it, right? Let's, let's run some computer programs to see, like, let's say we're going to build a building. We want to make sure the building doesn't fall down on itself, right? So we design, okay, we're going to have these many two by fours and we're going to have this roof load and we're going to have snow load and all this sort of thing. And you're going to put this amount of stress on a two by four that's up on the roof, on the rafter. And this is the, how you design the, the trusses. And so these are the forces interacting on the wood and you can run all these computer programs. Before there were computer programs, right? Before when I was in college, there were no computer programs. There's no computers. I mean, there was mainframes, but you didn't use mainframes to solve, you know, simple problems. You mean, you know, they, they were expensive to use. So we had to use calculators and, you know, formulas and all that and, and calculate the stresses within these loads, uh, you know, in a, in a two by four. And then, then you'd look up in a table and say, okay, a two by four can handle this much stress and this is the load and we're four times you know, the, we can handle four times the load of what this building actually is. And you'd say, okay, that's a great factor of safety and you can do that. Or we might say, no, the whole thing's going to fall down. So um, that's what it looks like in the engineering world. Well, the same thing happens in the spiritual world. Like if you say, we're going to do this, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to meet people's need this way. You need spiritual people. You need, we're all spiritual. You need prophetic people to say, yeah, God would be very blessed with that. It's, it's not going to bring the whole building down. If we do X as a church, you need the spiritual, the, the prophetic voice to be able to say, yeah, that's going to work or no, this is, but oftentimes you need the prophetic voice to say, this is what you're not doing, Right. Like if you go into a society and say, this is a need they need because you've talked to people out there. Yes, but there's also needs that they need because they, have, because they haven't even realized that they need. Like there's a hole in everybody's heart because we all need Jesus and the only one that can fill that hole in our heart is Jesus. And the prophetic voice is one like that. Or if, uh, if a church starts getting too um, uh, inward, not inward focused, but... Um, 
against the will of God. Churches can do that, right? Churches uh, will do things that are not pleasing to God. And so you need that prophetic voice to say, hey, wait a minute, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Um, these prophetic voices are people that we need in the world. So he gave the apostles, he gave the prophets. And then, of course, he gives evangelists. Um, evangelium are those who um, just... Evan, evang, evangelism or evangelism is good news. And so these are people who like to share the good news. I think of it in the business world, I think of evangelists as people who are great salesmen, right? They're just on fire for their product. And so they go out and they just sell the product. I have a really, really good pastor friend of mine who went to school with, and uh, he could sell ice, ice cubes to an Eskimo. I mean, he just, he had this ability to just sell things. And he loved to be in front of people's faces and sell things. I have a brother who is a salesman. He loves to sell things. Um, I am not a good selling of things person. I've never been a selling of things person, um, but I, you know, that's a gift that I have to cultivate um, because there are times when we have to sell um, things. You know, we have to sell programs, or you know, we have to. There, we have to be on fire for Jesus and be able to sell Him to the world around us. And you know, in a in a business world, I guess you could say that. Um, but anyway. So, and maybe we'll talk about that some more tomorrow because um, evangelism is something that I do want to spend a little bit of time on. So we'll probably spend time on that tomorrow. But Christ did give the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service. Equip us for works of service. So, all these gifts are given. Why? So that we can do works of service, that we can love the world around us in however God's called us to do that. And I do pray that we as a church will love the world around us. So that's what the whole purpose of a life-changing connection is, right? If, if the best way to love the world around us is to connect them with Jesus, that's like the number one way that we can, can, that we can love people is to somehow understand where they're coming from and say, have you considered Jesus? And he is the solution to every problem in your life. So uh, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for this day to today. Thank you for all the giftings that you give to various people. And may, Lord, we combine all those gifts to love you and to serve you, and to be your hands and feet in the world. This we pray in Jesus' name.